Hello out there. Welcome to the Opportunity Starts at Home podcast, where we take a deep look at opportunity in America today and how housing fundamentally shapes that opportunity. This is your host, Mike Kaprowski. I'm the National Director of the Opportunity Starts at Home campaign. Research is increasingly showing that housing is a foundation for virtually everything. It predicts what kind of neighborhood you'll grow up in, the quality of school you'll attend, your access to transportation and amenities. Housing shapes segregation patterns, the crime levels of your surroundings, job opportunities, exposure to certain health risks, your friends and social networks. Housing policy is school policy, health policy, economic policy, civil rights policy, and more. Few things shape our opportunity more than housing. We have lots of evidence about it, and yet housing is often overlooked by our leaders and our policymakers. I'm excited about today's episode. We're recording this in Portland, Oregon, and I'm here with three guests. Allison McIntosh, who is the Deputy Director of Policy and Communications at Neighborhood Partnerships. And we also have Jeff Clean and Annalisa Curler. Both are with Oregon Food Bank. So we have someone from the housing field. We have two folks from the hunger field. And we're going to talk about the connections between these two worlds. And we're going to talk about how this plays out in Oregon. And as the listeners know, a key feature of our National Opportunity Starts at Home campaign is that we've provided capacity building grants to partners in seven states. And the idea is that with these additional resources, uh, these state partners can focus more on building multi-sector coalitions at their levels and influencing key federal policymakers from their states. And the seven are California, Idaho, Maine, New Jersey, Ohio, Oregon, and Utah. And so today uh, we're focused on the efforts in Oregon. Uh, leading the multi-sector housing campaign in Oregon is Neighborhood Partnerships. And this goes back to early 2003. The housing advocates in Oregon came together uh, to talk about a new way to do housing advocacy. And they wanted to build an alliance that would bring together the many voices and constituencies that are concerned with the lack of affordable housing. And this turned into the Oregon Housing Alliance. Allison is the as I said, the Deputy Director of Policy and Communications at Neighborhood Partnerships, and that's where she convenes the Oregon Housing Alliance. The Alliance is a coalition of more than 80 organizations that push for affordable housing solutions. Allison started her career as a community organizer in Minneapolis and has worked on issues related to housing and homelessness for nearly 15 years. Uh, and with us, we have Allison's multi-sector partners from Oregon Food Bank, and they're members of the Alliance. Uh, and Jeff has been a public policy advocate for Oregon Food Bank for over 12 years, uh, focused on federal nutrition programs and policies that impact people experiencing hunger and poverty. And Annalisa is also a public policy advocate for Oregon Food Bank for the past six years, uh, focused on local and state levels. She's an Oregon native. Uh, she's passionate about ensuring everyone has a safe, affordable home. So everyone, welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is our first podcast with three guests, so uh, we're breaking new ground here uh, with the podcast. So welcome, everyone. Thanks. We're excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah this will be, be fun. Um, so Allison, let's, let's start with you. I wanted to um, start with a few questions for you to kind of uh, set the stage, and then we'll have a series of questions for Jeff and Annalisa. But um, Start off by, by talking to us about neighborhood partnerships and the Oregon Housing Alliance. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what is your organization too, and then what is your role in that? Great. 
So neighborhood partnerships, our mission is to create opportunity for Oregonians. And one of the key ways that we do that is we convene, as you said, a coalition called the Oregon Housing Alliance. Um, the Housing Alliance was founded with a vision that every Oregonian deserves a safe, stable, and affordable place to call home. And our coalition is primarily a legislative advocacy coalition. So every year we get together, we think about the pressing needs in our communities, and we think about what our state legislature can do to help address housing needs in Oregon. And we come up with what we call our housing opportunity agenda, where we think about what our pressing asks are, and we get together and we go ask for those things. My job there is to um, convene the coalition, to convene mm-hmm. the meetings, to keep work moving during um, in between meetings, and to make sure that we're all kind of on the same page. Mm-hmm. And so housing affordability is one of those key priorities Absolutely. of your organization. It's obviously the, the thrust of, of this podcast. So uh, talk to us a little bit about what's the, what's the state of housing affordability in Oregon uh, in terms of like what are the major problems, how pervasive is the problem, and then what are you all advocating for in terms of solutions? Absolutely. And I, I'm sure most of your listeners probably know that communities up and down the West Coast are experiencing mm-hmm. a housing crisis. One of the things that I often say when I'm talking to folks who are just learning a little bit about the housing crisis is that we are experiencing problems not just in the Portland metro area and our major cities in Oregon, but all throughout our state. Um, and there's a few problems that we're experiencing. We have folks who are experiencing homelessness, either for the first time in their lives or chronic homelessness. Um, Oregon has one of the higher rates of unsheltered homelessness in the country. We have um, not invested as much as other communities have in emergency shelter dollars or in emergency rent assistance. We also have tenants who are living in private market housing who are really struggling with our housing market. Right now, Oregon law allows tenants to be evicted without a reason with as little as 30 days notice. Mm -hmm. So that's something that advocates are going to try to change in 2019 to force landlords to actually give someone a reason before they kick them out of something as important as their home. We also allow um, landlords to raise the rent as much as they want as long as they give the proper notice. So in some communities in the state, what we're seeing is a 25%, 50%, or even 100% rent increases for tenants, which they simply can't absorb, right? Wouldn't it be nice to see a 50% wage increase or 100% wage increase? Yeah, that'd be cool. Unfortunately, that is not what we're seeing. Um, So we're seeing tenants all over the state really displaced by these things. Um, In southern Oregon, there's um, a community called Medford and a few other sister communities, um, Ashland, Talent, Phoenix, Grants Pass, um, where the vacancy rate is actually down around 1%. Mm. And that's really, folks are really struggling in those communities. There's simply not enough affordable housing. Um, Tenants are getting rent increases or no-cause evictions. Home prices are going up. But wages have not risen at all in Mm -hmm. those communities. So we're really seeing a need to build more particularly affordable housing for people who are seniors living on fixed incomes, people who experience a disability, um, people who are making minimum wage or simply not able to keep up. We also hear um, from communities in vacation communities like the coast or the gorge where there's simply not enough stock of any available housing, particularly Mm -hmm. affordable housing. So folks are driving over, um, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes over mountain passes to try to get to low wage 
jobs um, to make ends meet for their families. So our coalition, in addition to asking for more emergency rent assistance and protections for tenants, we have placed a huge focus on building more affordable housing, um, deeply affordable housing. And we have, we've been using a new type of state bond for the last uh, five years and are starting to see the real results of that work. so those are some of the things that we're working on right now. Yeah, pretty pervasive. This is one of the big myths that I think we have to bust at the national level is when people hear, well, you know, housing affordability problems. They think about New York, they think about L.A., and really it's a problem that has hit every corner of the country, mm-hmm. rural, suburban, urban alike, and yeah. um, and it plays out time and time again, really, yeah. in every state. Um, and yeah. to give you an anecdotal story about that. We're hearing from our regional food bank on the coast that a local business wants to hire people. People come out, they want the job, they cannot find housing. And they end up turning the job down or leaving a job after a very short time period. So Mm -hmm. it starts to impact the the work and employment sector. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So... You know, you're, you're a state partner, Allison, of the mm-hmm. of the Opportunity Starts at Home campaign at the national level. This is all about a multi-sector approach to influence housing policy. And so I wanted to get your thoughts about this whole multi-sector approach, why you're a believer in it, um, and how your work is seeking to influence housing policy um, and through that through that mechanism. Yeah, absolutely. We are, we have been really excited and are really excited to be a state partner of the Opportunity Starts at Home campaign. Um, As you kind of previewed in your introduction, the Housing Alliance has been a big believer in multi-sector work for a long time. The coalition started with um, community action agencies, housing authorities, housing providers, and others at the table, but quickly expanded to include folks like Um, Oregon Food Bank and others. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've been, it has made our coalition much stronger and um, we've been able to accomplish more for Oregonians who need safe, stable, and affordable housing. Just to give you an example, uh, in some of our work, we are partnering um, with Oregon Food Bank with uh, partners from the faith community who can really speak about the work that their churches do in providing emergency shelter or emergency rent assistance and why they personally are called to do this work. We also work a lot with folks in the healthcare sector who can talk about the impacts on people's health of the lack of safe, stable, and affordable housing. We've also had a huge amount of success in the last few years working more with our union partners. Mm-hmm. We are starting to see, as Jeff mentioned, um, more and more and more people in Oregon Oregon are being impacted by our housing crisis. So folks who are represented by unions like SEIU, um, who work in um, home health care workers, um, janitors, uh, night shift workers, are represented by a union, are making union wage jobs, but are still unable to afford a safe, stable place to call home. In 2017, when we were working on our first effort to um, stop allowing no-cause evictions, we actually had one SEIU member who was a real leader in the campaign who, over the one and a half years we were working on it, she got three no-cause evictions during that time. Mm. It really is impacting people all over our community. And when we have that broad range of partners, we can really tell a different story. I think also the broad range of partners, especially with housing issues, help legislators and decision makers understand how fundamental an issue like housing is. Mm -hmm. When we have teachers who are talking about how they can't 
adequately teach the kids in their class because a third of their class changes from the beginning to the end of the school year simply because of rising rent and the lack of affordable housing. Mm -hmm. That is such a different message for legislators to hear, right? It's not just that schools need more funding, which they do, but we also need stable housing for our kids and our teachers. And that has been, that has really shifted legislators' understanding of this really key critical issue. Yeah. Yeah, I think very well said. I think, you know, as, as I keep doing this work, that, and I think you hit on all three of these things, is that, you know, unusual suspects, what they bring to the table, I've really seen three big things. One is they, they really enrich your content, mm-hmm. right? They just bring a new perspective to things, and you can talk about uh, issues and connections that you couldn't otherwise if you were just surrounded by, you know, traditional housing folks. And it, and this, the second thing, kind of a corollary to that, is it mainstreams your messaging, mm-hmm. right? And it makes it more palpable for mm-hmm. the policymakers of, oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about mm-hmm. that education connection. It, it gets us housers out of the weeds of housing policy, and it helps us kind of mainstream how we talk about the issue. And then another corollary to that is that it, that piques the interest of mm-hmm. policymakers, right? There's, there's a wow factor when other voices are saying, yes, we need more affordable housing. Wait, I thought you all are a hunger organization. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we are, but we're advocating for affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, a, a new light bulb goes off for policymakers in a way that, that wouldn't otherwise. So uh, very, very well said. Um, so Jeff and, and Annalise, I wanted to turn it over to you, and I'll just kind of ask the high-level questions, and you guys can tag team it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, can, you can both answer it, one of you, whatever. Um, so tell us a little bit about your organization, Oregon Food Bank. Uh, what do y'all do? And, and uh, give us a little bit of a sense of, of your roles in it uh, beyond what I introduced. Yeah. So Oregon Food Bank's mission is to end hunger and its root causes. Hmm. So we think of that in terms of food today, food tomorrow, and food for all. So the food today obviously addresses the immediate need. We've got about 13% of Oregonians who face uh, food insecurity across the state. So there's, there's an immediate direct need to distribute food. And we do that through a unique system in that we have 21 what we call regional food banks. Mm-hmm. So these are smaller food banks that are spread throughout the state of Oregon and also in Clark County, Washington, right across the river from Portland. Mm -hmm. And by working as a network of regional food banks, we're really much stronger and more effective. Food goes out to those regional food banks, and from there goes out to more than 1,200 food programs. And that Mm -hmm. can look like a food pantry at a local church. It could be a prepared meal site, a Meals on Wheels program. Uh, lots of different formats to get food out to people in need. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We have really moved away from thinking about emergency food boxes to providing food to people where they are. And part of that is an increased commitment to serving marginalized communities. We recognize that people of color, uh, particularly black and Latinx households, they suffer food insecurity at twice the rate Mm -hmm. as white households. So we are really calling that out and looking at our programming differently so that we can better serve those communities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now I said we're, we're working on ending hunger and its root causes. So the root cause work gets in the food tomorrow and food for all aspect. Uh, Food tomorrow looks at 
nutrition education, cooking skills. Uh, we partner with Share Our Strength to have Cooking Matters classes around the state. Mm -hmm. We have a learning garden here at this facility as well as at our facility yeah, saw uh, that driving in. That west cool. of uh, yeah. uh, Portland, as well as around the state. So there's learning garden, nutrition education. Uh, then we get into the food for all aspect, and that's where we start looking at community food systems. We hold a lot of rural uh, focus groups, and it's a form of rural organizing, community organizing, bringing people together to identify community assets and uh, needs and connecting those assets and needs. And that's where Annalisa and our colleagues come in on the advocacy team because we believe that ending hunger, it, it counts on more than the private charitable response. We have to have involvement from all levels of government. So I focus on the federal government Annalisa and another colleague of ours focus on state and local governments, and it's all about supporting policies that directly benefit the households that we serve. Because ultimately, we hold the people we serve at the center of all we do, and it really right. drives our work and the focus of our work. Yeah. So, you're an anti-hunger organization, um, so why do you care about affordable housing issues? Is that a root cause, maybe? I'll, I'll go right back to we hold people <laughs> we serve at the center of all we do. Yeah. And, and we hear from them through a, a variety of avenues. We have a uh, biannual survey called Hunger Factors. Mm -hmm. And in the last Hunger Factors survey that we did, a third of respondents said, high housing costs are one of the major reasons why they need food assistance. Mm. Similarly, um, we also took a look at uh, the USDA does a food insecurity study every year, um, and they uh, kind of drilled down to the county level um, as well as state level on food insecurity rates. And yeah. uh, we had a local OSU professor who took a look at those rates and found, and this should not be surprised, that Oregon renters have a much higher um, food insecurity and hunger rate than renters in the rest of the country. So mm. the housing crisis is definitely alive and well amongst the folks that we serve. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I mean, I think on a really simple um, way to think about it is if you are struggling to find enough food to eat, you are also very likely struggling with rent, right? And yeah. in fact, sometimes the reason, you know, why you are struggling with food is because your yeah, rent is just doubled. Why. It is like the reason yeah. why. Um, yeah. At a kind of very basic yeah. income uh, Money in, money out. Yeah, it's. Right. I think. It, I think Matthew Desmond said it. The rent eats first, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 The, the food portion of a household budget is where there is flexibility. Yeah. We often say that yeah. no one comes to collect your food bill. Right. But right. you better pay your rent, your yeah. mortgage, your, your utilities, your other expenses yeah. to keep the lights on and yeah. to continue to have a safe yeah. and stable place to live. No one from the local grocery store comes down and says, "Hey, you haven't paid." Right. your food bill, you haven't paid enough, you haven't purchased enough right. healthy and nutritious food this month, that's where people yeah. start to stretch. And that's where, yeah, I mean, that's where it takes the hit, right? It's the discretionary part of your of your budget, yes, essentially, exactly. and, it, and it takes the hit. And then, and, But then there's all sorts of long-term pernicious outcomes that come from that. Yes. Um, you know, there was um, something I, I saw that uh, food-insecure children that are living in 
um, subsidized housing were like 50% less likely to be seriously underweight, right? So having that subsidized portion of your rent mm-hmm. actually helps you, you know, be, be healthier. Um, yeah, and you obviously hungry children have a difficult time learning. Yeah, uh, yeah. Short-term and long-term health outcomes are impacted by poor nutrition. Mm-hmm. So do you all feel like you're, if, if you think about anti-hunger organizations, both both in Oregon and, and nationally, do you feel like you're you're ahead of the curve on this? Uh, are more anti-hunger organizations getting involved in this housing conversation? Are you guys just super progressive about it? I mean, like, what, what, what do you all think about that? That's a great question. I mean, I think amongst most anti-hunger advocates and organizations, there has always been an understanding that housing is a key driver mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. for hunger. Um, but I would say here in Oregon, so speaking about kind of state and locally, um, the kind of... Uh, the prevalence of that issue has just skyrocketed over the last four to five years. During the Great Recession, a lot of what we heard about from the folks we serve are from food pantry coordinators, emergency meal site coordinators. It was all about jobs, right? Mm -hmm. Like Our folks just need jobs. Their jobs have been cut. Their wages have been cut. They're underemployed. Uh, They're unemployed, so on and so forth. And now... No, we hear all about rent, right? Yeah. Like, or or just you know, unable vacancy rates that Allison talked about down in Southern Oregon being, you know, one percent or less. That's true, or close to being true in other communities mm-hmm. in Oregon. So I can't even find a place, right? Even though yeah. I work, I work two jobs, and I can't find, I can't pay my rent. Yeah, I can't find a place to live. Yeah. I think that's, um, you know, really common. So I think you know there is a recognition that these things are. Um, connected amongst anti-hunger organizations um but i think kind of the rate at which they are connected or kind of the prevalence of which they're connected is uh newer (laughs) in in, in some ways um and i will just say similar to that um though though anti the anti-hunger sector is making that connection i would say that the legislature or the elected officials are still sometimes uh not making that connection instantly so i talk a lot about housing and a lot about rent and a lot about the stability that homes bring. And the first question that I often get from a legislator is, but, but you're the food bank. Right. Why yeah. are you talking about yeah. this? This doesn't yeah. make sense. So yeah. while I think there is that understanding amongst some of our anti-hunger partners, mm-hmm. I um, we are still a surprise <laughs> yeah. in many ways to, to folks outside of, yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah. And I think nationally, we are probably among a handful of food banks that work on housing, and, mm-hmm. and I think this is an opportunity for housing advocates and and folks listening to this podcast reach out to your local food bank yeah. and push them to work on this issue. I think we're all well aware of yeah. the relationship between rent and food, so this is something that more food banks should be working on. Yeah. And, and I recognize that we're fortunate to have dedicated resources and to have a larger advocacy department than most food banks but i think there's at least a supporting role that food banks can play just as you said to open and expand the conversation around housing yeah yeah it's a and there's a difference too between sort of just intellectually acknowledging the connection and then actually putting manpower and resources behind the policy piece right like actually getting spun up on what housing policies are going to impact 
hunger issues, right? Like that, then you have to start to get spun up on well, what housing policy issues are on the docket right now, and how do they work, and what the heck does area median income mean, and right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, like, that requires we, we speak a different language that, that, that we, well, we have yeah, to learn. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, the language barriers are huge, but it, but it just requires an intentionality. Uh, that that's that's frankly time intensive and and um, and and manpower intensive too. But it, but mm-hmm. I think it's I think we all would agree that it's worth the it's worth the time spent. It um, is, and you know, as someone who is the kind of multi sector partner to um, housing, I mean, I think a lot. I really rely on some of my housing partners to do the wonky in the weeds, like what is the housing policy that's strategic, what makes the most sense. What I know is that the folks we serve are struggling with housing. And I know that someone like Allison has solutions for that. And Mm -hmm. I'll get in the weeds, but not that much in the weeds. I rely on her. And then I don't be like, I go where she tells me to go. But like, I'm like, how can I, right? Like, how can I be that helpful partner? And that's what I'm bringing. I don't, I don't need to have, yeah, I think the, that's, yeah, yeah. One of, one the successful coalition dynamics. Yeah. Not everyone yeah. needs to be an expert. Right. It's we can right. have great experts like Allison. Yeah. That we can say, yeah, we support that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's that's trust, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. building a relationship, and then yeah. you can you have that trust to be deferential to Allison when she says, yeah, this is a good housing policy. Mm-hmm. Um, critical, yeah. And um, just one other thought I was I was thinking about mm-hmm. is, as you were talking, Annalisa, is you know the the old conventional wisdom of well, you just need a job, right? A job Mm -hmm. is the solution to poverty, right? And that was the conventional wisdom forever, right? It's just, well, just more jobs, more jobs, more jobs. Let's look at the unemployment rate. All right, unemployment rate's lower. That that conventional wisdom, as rents continue to skyrocket, that conventional wisdom is becoming less and less relevant, right? I mean, one job isn't enough. Two jobs Mm -hmm. sometimes isn't enough when you have rent increases of 50%, 100%. So that that conventional Mm -hmm. wisdom is really going by the wayside. Um, I mean, the most recent out-of-reach uh, out report from National mm-hmm. Low-Income Housing Coalition says here in the metro, it's 81 hours a week at minimum wage to afford a one-bedroom apartment, right? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. two, two full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. It's just, Can't it's, do it. it's, we need more safe, yeah. stable, and affordable housing. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, on the website uh, for Oregon Food Bank, it uh, talks a little bit about the legislative priorities uh, that you all have, and and you see what you'd expect to see from mm-hmm. an anti-hunger organization, right? There's fighting against cuts and SNAP, and there's emergency food assistance programs, but you also see housing mentioned, and so I wanted to ask if there are sort of specific housing policies right now that you're interested mm-hmm. in, in following. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that this gets at a lot of what um, Allison talked about at the beginning in terms of where Mm -hmm. we're seeing kind of the different levels of need in Oregon. Um, So we are looking at specific policies in the state legislature that get at emergency rent assistance, right, short-term shelter, those types of things. So how can we prevent and end homelessness in many ways? How can we um, get folks that are on the streets right now into long-term housing, right? How can we prevent folks who are currently in housing but just saw a 50% increase in their rent? How can we um, stabilize them in their homes with rent assistance, those types of things? So there's a great program called the Emergency um, Housing Housing account. Housing account and the State Homeless Assistance <laughs> Program. Um, yeah. Both of That's those. exactly what we were talking about earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, that um, are in the state legislature that, you know, we've seen some 
some really great commitments on the legislature in the last year or two to really robustly fund that, and we mm-hmm. want to continue and grow that. Um, I think similarly, we know that the long-term solution to homelessness, long-term solution to our affordability crisis is affordable housing, and we need more of it. Um, yeah. The federal government has disinvested for the last 30 years in our housing and homelessness programs, and mm-hmm. so um, we are looking to our state and local governments to really step up um, and to build some of that in their communities. Yeah. So. We're supporting programs that, that look at those types of things. Yeah. yeah. How do you all think about the, um, or have you thought, or have there been mm-hmm. conversations around this concept around pairing housing assistance with hunger assistance, right? And there's some some research uh, that I've looked at where uh, you know families that are receiving housing subsidies, SNAP, and WIC benefits uh, are better off in a variety of ways than. Uh, families just receiving housing subsidies alone or just receiving hunger assistance alone. So there's this this concept of pairing these uh, pieces of assistance. Have you all thought or talked about that at all? I would say we haven't looked at it closely, but certainly we think a lot about it at a theoretical level. And for us, it really gets to the disparity we see between people who are eligible for a program and people who are utilizing that program. Mm -hmm. So to take SNAP as an example, men uh, has been too many years ago when hunger, when Oregon was among the states with the highest rate of food insecurity, one of the efforts was around increasing our SNAP participation. So this was truly just reaching people who are eligible for the program and not using it. Mm-hmm. And by boosting that number considerably, Oregon has has dropped, at least among the national average. Our hunger rate is still way too high, but yeah, we've sure. made significant progress. So anytime that we can break down a barrier by capitalizing on automatic eligibility or, as yeah. you said, pairing, we feel like that can boost the number of people who are accessing and utilizing and benefiting from the programs they are eligible for. Mm -hmm. So we were firmly in support of any type of mechanism that would simplify applying and receiving benefits for people whose lives are chaotic and many of these households are in crisis. And I think we oftentimes don't pay enough attention to well, mental health broadly, but the what cro- living under chronic step, stress, yeah. how living under chronic stress impacts families. So if we can simplify and ease getting on a program, then that's absolutely what we should yeah, do. Yeah. Allison, I wanted to, um, did you have something else? Oh, I was just going to say, and you know, some of that is around like, For example, you brought up AMI. Well, nutrition programs use Mm. the federal poverty level. They use use a different, different, just a different criteria. I mean, I think we see so much overlap, right? Of course. Um, But there there are some kind of simple moments there where you're like, well, the systems won't even, it's apples and oranges in some ways. Mm -hmm. Right. right. um, That actually look the same, but they are. um, They are different, and I think that's um, key. And then I think a really other big key difference is that a Many of our food programs are entitlement programs, which mm-hmm. means that if you are eligible, you get it. There is no wait list there, right? Like, and what I know of housing programs is that that's not true. <laughs> and we have um, massive wait lists and we have like 
unofficial wait list for wait lists, right? Like when they open up some of the wait lists for um, for Section 8 and stuff like that. It just, yeah. Right? So it's, it's a lottery. It's, it's a lottery. Yeah. It's a whole different system. And so um, I think in some ways, yeah. And then I would say on a programmatic level, um, we do try to put, you know, food pantries, emergency, like emergency meal sites, like how are they close to affordable housing complexes, yeah. right? Like, so just from a kind of food today perspective, um, we're trying to be strategic about where we're placing those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. So, that too. Yeah, makes sense. Um, I also wanted to turn it back to you a little bit, and just from your perspective, I mean, how has the involvement of the hunger sector, mm-hmm. how does it change the game for you in terms of housing advocacy mm-hmm. efforts? Um, yeah, so this is my chance to um, brag a little bit about our fabulous partners here. I can tell they weren't going to do it. So yes, so I get to do it, which is great for me. Um, I think, you know, it really goes back to what you were saying earlier, Mike, about how a different voice can really help legislators and decision makers understand an issue differently. So when somebody from the food bank or someone that has received assistance through the food bank comes to a legislator and says, I'm struggling or I was struggling to pay my rent and buy food, put food on the table for myself and my kids, that creates a new moment of understanding that can really help legislators see the issue differently. And as housing advocates, you know, we often feel like all we're doing is going to the legislature with our handout for more resources. And, you know, we know the money's going to be well spent and it will solve problems for communities. But to have a different partner go with us and say, no, this is so important for the people that we serve creates a different conversation. And it has been a huge game changer here in Oregon. So in 20, um, in 2016, Prior to that, the legislature had been spending about $5 million a year for emergency rent assistance and emergency shelter. Mm -hmm. And we know the federal government puts in a little bit more, but $5 million a year for the whole state. Not much. Not much. Um, And we had community action agencies who, before the crisis hit, were telling us they were only able to serve one out of every 10 folks that came to their door at the beginning of the month. In 2016, we really had the food bank step up with us, and we asked for $10 million of additional money in 2016, and we got it. Mm. In 2017, we were able to get it up to $20 million a year. In 2018, also, I think we got it to $25 million a year. So we've really been, and it's been the horrible, uh, the thing that we hate the the most, uh, one-time only money. Um, But we're going to keep going back, and we're going to keep fighting. to try to make sure that we're committing more state resources for emergency rent assistance because we know how vital those resources are. And having the food bank has really been, it's just been a game changer. Um, Same in 2017, even though we weren't ultimately successful, they were with us um, trying to prevent um, no cause evictions and give folks some basic stability. Mm -hmm. And having them in the room opened up a different conversation with so many legislators who had previously thought about it as like this, I'm a landlord, it's my private property angle. But to have somebody from the food bank say, having a home, like losing it in 30 days is so unstable and unsafe Mm -hmm. for kids and families, we have to fix this. It it just really opens a different door. So we are, we've been so lucky to have folks like them at the table. Yeah, great. And so help me be a fly on the wall in your internal meetings, right? How often does does housing come up? I mean, obviously you guys are interested in it, but I'm trying to get a sense of like day-to-day, 
how often are you all talking about the issue of affordable housing? Uh, maybe an, another way to say the question too is, um, do you all see it as a, a nice to have or a need to have, right? Like how mission critical do you see it and, and how sort of pervasive is it in the conversations that you all have at the food bank? Yeah, I I think that's a really great question. Um, and I would say, I don't think there is a person at this food bank that doesn't understand that housing is a key driver for hunger. Yeah. So it is a lens that we carry into almost every meeting um, mm-hmm. and that it is definitely a, a need to have mm-hmm. um, moment. I mean, even if you just think about it from, you know, folks who are using um, our services and they're, they're getting a week's worth of groceries at a food pantry. Um, and I don't want to say what good is that, but also so much begins with a home so if you don't have a fridge to put that food in yeah, right. if you don't have a stove to cook on yeah. there are limited very very, limited. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very it's limited. amazing the parallels between the sectors right we hear the same thing from healthcare folks yeah if you don't have a refrigerator for your medicine yeah. Well, what good's the medicine, right? There's so many parallels between all these sectors. Not to no, no, room, no. But I mean, again, but it's so amazing how many of the same. cupboard. There's the cupboard. Yeah. There's yeah. the refrigerator. Yeah. There's yeah. the stove, yeah. the oven. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I would just say that very nearly we talk about housing just as much as we talk about hunger. <laughs> and again, I sound like a broken record. The people we serve keep telling us. It's housing. It's rent. Mm-hmm. That's why it's having a safe place to call home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, what is the um, you know uh, uh, some specific examples of what the collaboration has looked like between the two organizations? You sort of talked about it a little bit, but what exactly is the is the collaboration focused on at this point in time? Yeah, there's a bunch actually. <laughs> um, so and uh, expanding. I know, and expanding all well, the good. time. That's yeah, good. it's it's really exciting. So right now. Um, we're about uh, 15 days away from election day, and Annalisa and I have been spending a lot of time working on two measures. Um, we have a bond in the Portland metro region that will actually build affordable housing, as well as a statewide constitutional amendment that would allow local governments to partner with affordable housing developers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would allow us to access um, federal low-income housing tax credits as well to make those dollars stretch further. Yep. Um, together, if they both pass, we'll be able to serve about 12,000 folks immediately and you know, obviously more over the life of those mm-hmm. homes. So we've been spending our um, many, many hours a day and <laughs> Uh, w- waking me up in the middle of the it's night. It's a good thing you two like each other. It's a good thing we like each other. Um, 6 a.m. text messages. Yes. Yeah. Um, then our legislative session starts in January, January 23rd. So we are getting ready to go back for more emergency rent assistance, more dollars to develop more affordable housing, and we'll be back uh, trying to protect tenants from mm-hmm. getting evicted without a cause. Yeah. Um, at the federal level, um, Jeff and I have been talking a lot about the new public charge rule and how it will impact the folks that we both care about. I think um, you know the impacts are really scary for yeah. both housing and hunger anti-hunger organizations um, and so trying to figure out exactly what it means what we can do right now what we need to do how we can comment um, has been a huge issue um, we've also been working uh, 
to try to figure out ways to influence some of the more key members of our federal delegation. So um, obviously we have Senator Wyden and Senator Merkley who are huge housing champions. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a few other legislators, uh, congressional representatives who could use some nudging. Um, Congressman Walden, um, and then I think Congresswoman Herrera Butler just over the river in Washington state. I don't know, do you want to talk more about um, I know you've been working on both of those to try to increase their excitement about hunger yeah. and SNAP. Yeah, I, I would just say broadly that I'm excited that because I focus on federal policy to now take housing on as an issue in that arena because most of our, or I would say all of our work has been at the state and local level. But now that we see an opportunity at the federal level, we're excited to jump in. And, and we do try to influence other food banks. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned sure. there are probably a handful now. I'm excited to talk to my colleagues and elevate it on their priority yeah. list, not only for food banks, but other nutrition advocates, because there is such a close yeah. connection. What's, what's their reaction um, to it? When you're kind of pushing them to go this route, is it like, oh, I don't know about that? Or, there's, there's, yeah, we should be doing that. What, or, yeah. I, I would say we get a mix of reactions. Yeah. Uh, a large one is, oh, oh, well, I haven't thought about yeah. a food bank working on that. But, yeah, you're right. We do, we do hear that from our clients, too. <laughs> we should work on that. Yeah. A lot of yes, that is should. really kind of creating the pathway. Yeah. Uh, Okay, I'll, I will brag about Oregon Food Bank a little bit. Oftentimes, people will point at Oregon Food Bank and say, well, they're doing it. We should be doing it, too. Yeah. Because you talked about an internal conversation. So much of the conversation is getting approval from your board of directors yeah. or your leadership team yeah. to work on these issues. Yeah. And, and again, yeah. I recognize that this comes back to capacity and resources, but... I can think of numerous examples where other food banks around the country have said, well, Oregon Food Bank works on that. We should, too, mm-hmm. and are then successful moving their board and their stakeholders. Yeah. So we're happy to play yeah. the role. That's of, great. It's, it's, a ter- it's a terrible Oregon pun, but <laughs> of trailblazer. <laughs> I was waiting for the Oregon pun. We're expanding. Yeah, we're like 40 minutes in, and we finally got to one higher. And it's um, interesting, similarly, when you're talking to our um, food pantry coordinators, our emergency meal site folks, um, you know, some of them are like, where have you been? Of course you should be working on yeah, this, right? Yeah, yeah. And some of them are, you know, more uh, like what Jeff said around like, yeah, oh my God, that's all we hear about, so thank you. Mm-hmm. And then there are still, there are a few, right, who are like, I think we should just be kind of in our lane. Yeah. Yes. And that's, you know. Sure. Yeah. But my favorite are the, like, uh-huh, where have you been? Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, yeah. Because this is all our folks are talking about. Yeah. So yeah. thank you for giving me an opportunity to talk to my legislator yeah. about this. Because yeah. It's also, I would just say it's um, not, it's not always, hopefully, it's not always just a one-way street where we're asking Oregon Food Bank folks to work on housing issues, right? We try to respond when we can. So for years, the Housing Alliance has had an increase to what's called the Oregon Hunger Response Fund on our legislative agenda. Okay, yeah, um, sure. And so that is designed to increase capacity around the state for local food banks and um, regional um, small food pantries. Um, and then, you know, similarly, we try to lend our support to help increase and expand the state earned income tax credit and to help protect our um, state. TANF program mm-hmm. and other things that really impact the folks that we serve, right? We 
these are the same issues. Yeah. We are serving the same folks, and it is more than just a home or more than just a food box or more than just access to healthcare that's going to give them access to opportunity. Yeah. So we we really try um, as a convener of a cross-sector you know, coalition to walk that talk. Mm-hmm. Really important point in any coalition, right, is there's the reciprocity piece, right? It's not just bringing other sectors to push on housing. There's there's elements mm-hmm. that housers can do to push on mm-hmm. uh, some, some other issues for the, for the other sectors. So that I, reciprocity is a big piece. I also recall that Neighborhood Partnerships and Oregon Food Bank worked together on supporting a recent payday lending rule mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah. that reined in some harmful lending practices. Yeah. Good, good, good. So this is all great. But we all know it's not sunshine and rainbows either, right? Like <laughs> not unicorns. Right, and yes. unicorns. There are challenges to this multi-sector work. What have been some of the challenges that, that you all have experienced in doing this work? Well, I think you we've kind of touched on one of them for sure, which is housing and some of the other worlds don't always speak the same language, yeah. right? We use area median income. Other folks use federal poverty level. I'm sure other folks have whole different eligibility criteria. Educators do free and reduced lunch. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so just that very, like the people that we serve are the same and also sometimes slightly different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the housing system can seem overwhelming um, to people because it is not an entitlement, because it is complicated, because there are 18 different funding streams, right? And so part of my challenge um, as the convener of the Housing Alliance is always to make the issue understandable, um, to make one of the things that we've been trying really hard over the last two and a half years is to make the tables that we convene friendlier and less there has to be less knowledge right so if Annalisa wants to come and talk about emergency rent assistance she doesn't also have to sit through a conversation about property tax exemptions Um, and trying to find ways to enter folks into that conversation where they don't have to be experts and we still it's not perfect right we still talk a lot of nerdy wonky detail housing advocate talk, but mm-hmm, trying to make mm-hmm. those tables more accessible. Um, I think that's one of our biggest challenges. I don't, I mean, but I don't sit on the other side of the table. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you identified, I, I started to get involved in housing work maybe three or four years ago, and it was incredibly overwhelming. Food felt so much simpler right like food stamps is our you know our key kind of cornerstone in so many ways and you know the food banking system is the safety net for the safety net of that right um and you know the solutions that that work for homelessness are really different than the solutions that work for first-time home buyers and the truth is that the food bank serves everyone along what i think of as the housing spectrum from you know those experiencing chronic homelessness mm-hmm. all the way to first-time home buyers so it is a very wonky um wonky world um yeah. but you know i think again it's going back to that piece around finding partners that you can trust and um you know organizations that you can trust to help kind of guide you as a multi-sector partner um, is really helpful and has been key sitting on the other side of of that and then I think making it um, all the millions of ways in which Allison makes it as easy as possible to be a partner right so I this is so basic but you know here's a letter template letter that you can that is key (laughs) no but it is so key how do you make it it's it's, so simple um and so 
it's essentially removing any barrier possible for me to mm-hmm. engage in that. It's a bandwidth issue, right? I mean, yeah. everybody's busy and everybody has their sort of key priority issue. And so when the convener of an alliance can make it as easy as possible to do a sign-on letter or yeah. one-pagers, it, it changes the dynamic. That often is the underlying concern around charges around mission creep. Yeah. yeah. They recognize the connection, but there's always that concern. Yeah, yeah, but you'll be stretched too far. Yeah, but will you lose focus on SNAP and nutrition programs? Yeah. And when you have a great coalition partner like Allison, we can respond to that and say, we understand the relationship between housing and hunger, and this coalition coalition is making it really easy for us to throw our support behind it without drawing too many resources away from our core priorities. Right, yeah, absolutely. I also think it's incumbent on, I mean, everybody, but especially housing providers now at this time when we have um, huge overwhelming need um, and a lot of problems to solve is to do our best to help people understand that we can solve these problems, right? Building affordable housing and providing rent assistance is not rocket science. We need to do more of it, but it is not impossible. And it is incumbent upon housing providers and housing advocates to help people understand the system that we come from and what we need to do to solve these problems. I was at a meeting not that long ago with some folks who serve people experiencing disabilities, and it was kind of, it was disheartening because they had had a meeting with a housing provider who was like, no, sorry, we can't help you. We don't have Mm -hmm. anything. And it was coming from a sense of like, our wait list is closed at some point in a you know, two years from now, I'm going to open a list to put people into a lottery to get onto the waiting list, right? It's, I totally understand that impulse to be like, no, (laughs) but we need to be real honest, right? These are the challenges we have. These are why we can't help you right now. Come help us get more. Sure. Yeah. We know how to do this, but we're lacking resources right now. So what's next for the collaboration? Um, for all three, I mean, what what's next? Well, we touched on the federal work yeah. that Oregon Food Bank will take on for the first time in my tenure, mm-hmm. more than 12 years, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think for us, it's continuing to work at the state and local level on housing issues. I mean, again, to reiterate the point that Jeff has made multiple times, like as long as housing is a driving issue for our clients, we will work on it. And I mm-hmm. I do not see it, sadly, <laughs> yeah. uh, going away any, like just at least not in the short term. I'm, I'm hopeful that the solutions that we are working on um, are will, will be really helpful and will make a huge difference for mm-hmm. those folks in, in the long term. Um, but I think at least in the foreseeable couple, next couple of years, we're here. Yeah. We're going to fight with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Yeah. Good. Thank you. That's a good thing. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Well, good. Hey, this is this has been great. This is really good to hear. Um, this is exciting work. I would urge all the listeners to check out the work of Neighborhood Partnerships, Oregon Housing Alliance, Oregon Food Bank. Uh, check it out. Uh, they are doing incredible work out here. Um, and really urge you all to, uh, to, to investigate more about what they do. So, uh, Jeff and Elisa, Allison, I want to thank you for your time. This has been a really good, really good conversation. Uh, and I look forward to seeing the, the fruits of your labor uh, as, we, as we go forward in the coming months and years. So it's very exciting. Thanks for coming. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Thank Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you.